Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the Wildcast and I believe the microphones work. It may seem like a month since we were last here because well it nearly has been but life gets in the way of sometimes everything and life has got in the way for either one of us over the last two or three weeks so unfortunately or fortunately depending how you look at it you haven't heard our voices. Um, Today we're back to ruin that and talk about hockey again so tom hello hello Good i feel to... like i haven't seen you in ages i see you every weekend but we don't have a chance to podcast at weekends yeah like i say we see we do see each other every weekend so it's not as if we haven't seen each other in ages but we haven't seen each other over a screen um no, exactly. for, for 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 a few weeks um yeah as you say good to be back um, yeah. busy and schedules it's... and all that have finally opened up a slot yeah and it'll be nice to get to the rink on saturday and not say to each other we really need to podcast this week yeah yeah i was gonna say well we still need to podcast next week as well but at least we'll have, <laughs> at least we won't have you know three weeks worth of content to catch up on yeah we do have quite a bit to catch up on i think the last episode we did was just before the cats took on leads and i think we spent 10-15 minutes talking about suspensions across the national league and Little did we know that things were going to come our way very quickly after that. Hmm. Yes. Seems like a good place to start. Sorry, Plusy. Yeah. Yeah. So having spent, you know, quite a significant portion of the last episode talking about checks to the head and specifically former Wildcat Emil Svet, because I think that was the big one that everyone was talking about at that point. Yeah. We then lost Tyler Plews for six games to a check to the head against the Leeds Knight in the Wildcats 10-5 home defeat. Yeah, and I'd, um, like to, I'd just like to point out at this point, if people are putting two and two together and assuming things, just because we're coming back this weekend when Plewsy makes his return doesn't mean that we only do podcasts when Plewsy's playing. Yeah, no, it's not, there's, we did not it get a game suspension either. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, feels like feels like it <laughs> feels like it but yeah um obviously it was a, a blow to lose a player like Plusy. he's been really really good for us all year well i say all year not just all year kind of really the last couple of years for us but ever since he's been here really ever since he's been here yeah exactly which is kind of what, four seasons now i don't know but don't make me feel older but um yeah it's it was obviously there's lots of different opinions on it. For me, whether you whether you agree with the tariff or not, the league were consistent. They stuck to their tariff system. There was there was obviously different factors in play to the ones compared to the ML one or the hit. You know, in future hits that were made, and we'll talk about another oh, one of those. We'll come, on, we'll come on to two of those recently soon. Yeah, but you know. The league stuck to their stuck to it. There's six games. I know I've seen a few different opinions of the hit flying around on social media. For me, I can understand both sides of the coin there. Um, and, and I'm not surprised, to be fair, it wasn't changed. I don't think you can blame the officials on the ice for calling it. I think they probably, from what their view would have been, got it right. And yeah, I think you just have to run with it. We were saying, you know, I think off camera that. Uh, off mic when we were talking about the circuit uh, a few weeks ago that eventually we were going to get one of those and potentially it was going to be Plusy because he hits a lot and the guys that hit a lot are eventually going to get those borderline ones which are going to get called or not and in this case it was called and yeah 
it's what it is. And um, I'm sure Leeds took the number, you know, and yeah, in the future, they'll maybe Pluzy has to answer the bell at some point, but I don't think there's any malice to it. I think it's just one of those. Yep, no, I would agree with that. And I'm also not going to spoil the end of today's episode, but you can all bet your 50p's on who's Pluzy is going to be making his return against on Sunday. More of that to follow. Um, that weekend was a mixed mixed weekend but also generally positive one yeah without to a point, to a to point. A point. i was gonna say the home obviously it's never good to concede 10 goals at home no. i don't think the cats played as badly as they've been made out or the result made out um we scored you know we scored five goals on arguably the best netminder in the league in sound gospel so there were plenty of positives in that display. And for times, you know, we outshot the Leeds two to one over the night. There were times where we were very much the better team, but Leeds were just so clinical that night, you know. And there were some, you know, there were some moments that I'm sure, you know, the defense and the Dean Skins and Minnie Mar, who kind of split ended up splitting the night, um would want back. But equally there were some absolutely, you know, utterly clinical finishing from Leeds throughout the night and you know, kind of almost those moments where you think, well, what else are we going to do here? Yeah, there really was. And I'm not going to, we're not going to talk about the, we've got six games to talk about. We're not going to talk about four of them in as much detail as we, as we you have done. Um, but Grant Cooper's a bit good. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time I think we'd seen him in person, obviously, had seen clips of him. I watched one of the lead streams earlier in the year against MK and he looked pretty good in that game. And he's, you know, he's a, he's, he's a cut above this league. Um, he's certainly a guy who, if you put him in the old EPL, he'd have probably been one of the top players in that league as well. Um, he's, he's definitely a guy who could be playing elite league. Maybe next year he will or be playing over in Europe somewhere. Um, I don't know what his, what his future plans are, but, you, there's plenty of guys around who've played National League and you say player X could be on the Elite League he can make a contribution to an Elite League third line fourth line I saw comments about you know Bobby Chamberlain and Sean Norris who were on two ways with Belfast and they can definitely make those depth contributions at an Elite League level Grant Cooper from a lot of Elite League teams can make a top six contribution very easily he's, he's that good his finishing is something else and his two-way game is something else at this level. And I don't think it's a stretch to say he's the best player in the league right now. No, I think it's um, fairly a, uh, a fairly obvious thing to say, really. Yeah, and it's not just and, and it's not just Cooper. They're not a one-man team. You know, they've got a great supporting cast in that top six. Um, that whole top six is, you know, money for goals every night. The net mining is solid. Defence maybe a bit up and down at times. I know there were a few, you know, even Leeds players unhappy about their defensive performance from that game. But, you know, when you're scoring 10 on the road, it probably doesn't really matter if you ship a couple of soft ones. Yeah. No, if you've got that firepower, you can afford to have yeah. have games like that. It's maybe not the best best strategy. And there's the old, old adage of, you know, defence wins championships and... You know, ultimately, ultimately, you know, Leeds are always, you know, potentially 
their weakness could be if they were to lose a guy like Cooper to injury or worse still, um, Sam Gospel to an injury. But, you know, there's yeah, there's, there's so much firepower. They're, they're not a one-man, two-man team there. There's two lines of absolute quality at this level. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the Knights are good. They're a very good hockey team and they are not a one-man team. But let's then move ahead 24 hours and, and talk about that road game on the Sunday. Um, destination Peterborough. Yeah, I wasn't there, so I'm going to leave you to... No, yeah, you weren't this. there. I, I I made that long trip up. <laughs> long trip, not really, but it's never a fun trip to Peterborough. Longer than you'd expect. Yeah, yeah it's one of those trips that just, make, just goes on forever. Yeah. So um, I'll give you come on then, two minutes. Two, two minutes. Minutes. Um, two minutes. Decent performance, game. not as good as we were against Leeds on that Saturday, but generally I thought the boys played well. However, yet again the start wasn't great. We shipped too many goals early on, and we're chasing the game. Set almost successfully, very nearly managed to tie it up and and force it to an overtime. Which I think, when you look at that weekend as a whole, the boys deserved a point. For the effort, if nothing else, um, but just couldn't quite get it past Jordan Marr. And when you've let four in at the start of the game, it's, it's so difficult. It is so difficult, especially when your confidence is low and your guys are scrapping for results. It's just so tough. And in that rink, I don't need to say it, it's it's a tough place to play hockey. But generally, I thought it was a solid performance. A couple of nice goals, and yeah, it was almost then something to build on going into the following weekend. Yeah, and you said about the start, and I didn't. I, I I must confess, I didn't watch this game, but I've seen the highlights, and you can't give you can't give a Slava Kudakov team soft goals. And I think we there was a couple of soft goals that we gave up. You know, mistakes defensively that we were punished. You can't give a Slava Kudakov team a four goal lead because despite our best efforts, they're going to be really tough to come back against and you can't go into that barn and give Peterborough Peterborough a head start on home ice effectively and that's kind of what we did you can't give any team in this league a four goal head start and expect to win many games but particularly Peterborough they're one of those teams who are always better than the sum of their parts but it happens that this year the sum of their parts is also really good mm-hmm. so you know they're a, they're a top, right now they're a top two three side on merit um, so yeah it was always going to be tough when you fall behind kind of was it was it three four nil that night before we started to come back yeah yeah it was be tough it's yeah it's never a fun one coming back from peterborough and then we move on to the following weekend where we take on the steel dogs yeah yeah and again similar to peterborough in that respect that again we gave them the we gave the dogs a bit of a head start um we, you know, we gave up a couple of first period goals. We got a couple, and don't get me wrong, we kept ourselves in that game in the first period. But we we put ourselves five two down on home ice, not necessarily what you want. But perhaps for the first time since that away game in Milton Keynes, we we showed that real resilience in that scenario, and we made you know we got a couple of goals we got ourselves within kind of one or two at the end of the um second period and then you know that third period it, it was frustrating because it felt like the goal was coming but it, the time was running down and that whole game that whole third period it felt like we were going there was there was a goal there in us 
um, many many Mars stepped up and made some big big saves in that third period um, to keep us to keep it as a one goal game, particularly one on I think Alex Graham kind of late on, which probably would have iced it if they'd scored and gone up six four. But we he made the save and the boys took that as momentum. Russ Cowley got the late equaliser um, and we got the point into overtime, and that's the sort of kind of real resilience that that's that's what you need when you're having a tough run and it's undoubtable that the last kind of month or so has been tough in terms of results haven't been there performances have been up and down and you know there there was a real kind of it was a real need to get something out of that game against Sheffield um whether it, as it turned out only a point but a point nonetheless um yeah and then obviously into overtime we went and yeah, it was an interesting overtime period for sure. Joe, Joe obviously isn't really with the podcast anymore. More on him later, but the Dimmy God, as he called him, lived up to his name and then some. Yeah, so you know he made, I mean, two really really vital saves at the end of overtime. One on a penalty shot to um, Aaron Nell after Aaron was tripped on a breakaway, and then literally straight off the face off from the penalty shot. A huge, huge glove save um, with Aaron wide open in the slot. And, you know, that would have been, well, it would have, either of those would have been the game winner. Obviously, it's overtime, but, you know, seven seconds left in overtime, 12 seconds left in overtime. They would have, you know, late, late opportunities. They were really our last chance before the shootouts. And then, yeah, into the shootout we went and he made five saves on five cats penalty shots. Um, or, sorry, four saves on five cats penalty shots because we had one that missed in there. But, um, yeah, yeah, um, and to be fair, Reddy again stepped up in in the shootout. He and overtime. Obviously, we killed a penalty in overtime. That was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't you don't often see many successful penalty kills in an overtime period. But um, Reddy made four or three again three penalty shot saves in the shootout, and there was one where the Steel Dogs player lost control of the puck, um, and then ultimately, um, I think it was Vlad Volkanov's the. Um, Import kind of made a nice move and yeah, by far away the best penalty shot of the shootout. Yeah, no, and, absolutely. And it best best in more than one way. Best as in he was a player who was probably in the most control of what he was doing and had the best idea of what he was doing. But he was also the player who scored. Yeah, um, I was and that's the say, most important thing thing to a penalty shot is it goes in the net. And yeah, yeah, they deserve. And ultimately, it's a lottery. Sheffield probably, you know, Sheffield probably deserved the win on the on the whole, but. I think it was a big point for us. And, you know, if we'd been able to get the two points in the shootout or overtime, great. But to get the point from that 5-2 down, it could have, particularly after the kind of frailty of the Leeds game the week before, it could have unraveled and it didn't. So kind of big, a big result, ultimately. Yeah. And then obviously the Sunday, we we rolled down to Slough um, to take on the Bees. And what, again, bizarrely, was the first time we'd been down there, really. Well, the first time we'd been down there this season, thanks to yeah, yeah. the... Uh, the, the lights failing the last time. Um, we'd played three games where we'd put a great deal of effort in and got a point, and we then rolled up in Slough, managed to put equally as much a good amount of effort in and have a relatively comfortable victory. Yeah, yeah, and which I think the boys needed. Yeah, they needed that. They needed that big win, and they needed that win where. They could say we weren't lucky. We didn't get a lucky goal. We didn't. We didn't. You know, we were up against a team who 
yeah, okay, again, the bees are short of bodies, but they started with both imports. They had a pretty fullish roster. They were missing a, still missing a couple of guys, but they had some guys come in. Um, they had Scott Spearing back as injury cover, for example. So they had the bodies on the bench. Um, they had Matt Smittle in and there as well. So you had, you know, two quality netminders to, to call on. And yeah, it was just a solid professional, good, hardworking result for the Cats. They took their chances. They were really good on the power play, which became big in the um, second period. We'll spoke, put, talk about that in a moment. But yeah, it was a really good good night for the cats and yeah fully deserved two points um yeah nothing nothing kind of wasn't the most spectacularly played game ever but it was probably one of the better performances the cats have put in all year just in terms of generally controlling the game they rode their luck a little in the first period bees hit a couple of pipes but kind of as the game went on there was only it was clear there's only going to be one winner yeah no absolutely and like you said we'll talk about that that major penalty, obviously, uh, again, something else to talk about shortly. And the new head coach of the Bees, Dom Gabay, um gets the match penalty for checks to the head because the National League at the moment can't go a weekend without one. No, no. And again, I don't think you can really argue it. Um, having seen it was in a perfect position for us to see right in front of the away block. And, you know, I can again, I can sympathise with Gabay. You know, he's a tall... He's a fairly tall guy and Stevie Whitfield was kind of in a lower position, but the onus nowadays is on the player not to make that hit. Um, yeah, the onus is on the is on players not to make the hits in those scenarios or not to, on to make sure they're not making head contact. And there was head contact and Whit had to leave the game and get treatment and wasn't able to return and... That's just going to get you a ten-game suspension, and unfortunately for Kabai and unfortunately for the bees, that's exactly what happened. And again, I sympathise. The tariff system is tough, particularly for checks to the head. But as you say, you know the onus is kind of on the players not to make the hit, and it does feel like every week we're getting one at the moment. Yeah, and we'll even talk about one that happened this weekend, just gone in a minute. Um, nothing else happened in that game, did it? Uh, well, there was one other thing. Was there? Yeah. Was there a goalie goal, or did I dream? It might have been, yeah, yeah. We, uh... oh, the goalie goal, fantastic. The, uh, the one that every hockey fan in the world probably wishes to see, and I don't think any of us would have pictured it being scored the way it was, <laughs> and probably <laughs> Rennie himself as well. But yeah. we can laugh about it, but equally, by the letter of the law book, and no matter what anyone says, you cannot take away the fact that Rennie Mar scored for the Swindon Wildcats that night. Um, was it conventional? No. Was it memorable? Yes, but not for the reasons you're thinking of. And was it highlight reel? Nah, not a chance. Uh, is that going to stop him talking about it for the next 20, 30 years? Also, no. And do you know what, Rennie, if you're listening... Keep talking about it, mate, because it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome to see uh, to see a goalie goal. Uh, obviously, most of you have probably watched the video by now, but Puck comes in, he makes the save, the bees forward, picks the puck up, passes it back to the blue line, misses the stick and goes all the way down the other end into the back of the net. Um, referees are looking around to work out who the last winning player was and touch the puck, and Marzi stood there with his hand up, kind of going, yeah, it was me, mate. Um, my goal. So yeah, shorthanded, unassisted, 
goal for Rennie. Just an awesome moment, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I say, the, the not conventional way of it going in, probably not the way that Rennie would have drawn it up in his head if he ever thought, I'm going to score a goal, but it counts the same, in the, it counts the same on his stat sheet. And, you know, I'm sure one day he'll be telling his kids that he beat you know, beat a check a four checking forward and sniped it into the from the from the length of the ice, top corner, one bounce, easy. Yeah, hundred percent. I I would be doing the same thing, and I obviously posted the video on the workout social media later that evening of Rennie saying to me on launch day, maybe I'll get one this year, and well, it happened. But um, no one is taking that away from you, and it was it was awesome, absolutely awesome to see it. Um, sure, from a bee's perspective, it's probably quite frustrating for it to happen like that. But hey, just enjoy it. Yeah. Just enjoy it. Doesn't happen in hockey very often. Yeah. Which brings us up to date ish. Well, well, it brings us back to where we should be. Yeah, yeah it, it brings, brings us back to where we should be. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this last weekend just gone. I'll say it quietly because I've not had a chance to say it very much this year, but. Four point weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Can't can't say more than that. So anyway, moving on. And, uh, so that was episode, yeah. Thanks for episode 59. Yeah, we'll just leave yeah, it yeah. at that. No, um two games which with opposition around us in the table, which I thought could both be really tricky matchups. Yeah. Because just the way we not we had been playing recently, but just where we were, we'd had some good games and we've said on this podcast before this year the Wildcats can be a bit hot and cold, and I don't think that's Unfair for me to say, as can Telford and the Raiders, to be fair, um, which is why we're all mid-table. But I thought it was two games where we controlled them both relatively well. Yeah, no, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, starting with Telford, first period, okay, we well, we went into that break 1-0 down, but we played pretty well. We Ultimately, we were outshot in that first period, but we also were on the penalty kill for, I think, seven minutes and killed off all seven minutes of those power plays. And a minute of that was five on three. So that's, you know, great work for the special teams. You then We, we did concede one on a bit of an unlucky kind of odd man rush. Um, but once we got one in that second period, um, we, I think Aaron now referred to it as our you know, probably our best shift of the season. I wouldn't disagree with that. We kept the pressure no, in the zone it was for coming, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one of those where it was just shot after shot after shot coming in on on Brad Day's net, and eventually one was going to come in and end up in the back of the net, and it came, fell to Bally with basically an open goal, and he buried it. And then you know you get the almost you know you get the man out of the box rush from Malazinski, which was an absolute beauty of a finish if you've not seen that on the highlights yet. Yeah, it's on it's on all the workout social media as well because we want to shout about it because it was an absolute peach into the top corner. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we get the third goal as well in that period. And okay. Telford pulled one back. It's a one goal game in going into that third, but it felt like we were in relative control. It felt like we were the better team. And I think once we got the fourth, it was a bit of a lucky one off a skate. Um, Never felt like we were turning back. Bally got the fifth, which was another really good finish. And yeah, just then at that point, it just felt like we were going to see the game out, and that's exactly what we did. Um, just you know, controlled it, ran the clock down, ran that, ran that basically last ten minutes of just playing solid, solid 
controlling hockey and got the two points, which is exactly what we needed after, you know, one point in our previous three home games. Yeah, um, exactly that. I thought Bali was superb. I thought the defence had a good game. I thought we'll, t- we'll touch more on Sunday in a minute. And I know you said this to me in, in the, at the Raiders rink a few times. I thought Eddie had a fantastic weekend, yeah. uh, especially Sunday. But like I said, we'll come on to that game shortly. I mean, especially uh, with especially with Plusy out of the lineup. Yeah. You, know, you need the, those 5D men to stand up tall. And they did, all, all five of them. You know, we've had... You know, guys who've had ups and downs this year. You know, Eddie's learning a new position. I think it's fair to say that it's not unfair to say that the other four D men, you know, Sam Godfrey, Stevie Whitfield, have had ups and downs. Ollie Stone has been pretty solid, but has his moments. Ben Neversell, ups and downs. You know, I don't think any of them would say they've been consistently at their best. But I thought it was one of our best defensive displays. And like I said, I thought Eddie led a huge part of that. Um, it's it's not easy. It can't be easy for him transferring to a new position. And he's definitely been getting better and better in that position as the season's worn on. But then you lose your D partner and you're kind of playing with different guys. And, you know, he's he stepped up massively um, over the weekend. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, but yeah, I thought Saturday, like you said, I thought we were... Saturday felt to me very much like the Bees game did. It was just controlled. It wasn't anything over-exaggerated. It wasn't anything fancy at times. It was just simple hockey plays and patience. Yeah. And when you go that one goal down and you're you're frustrated at home, you the boys weren't thinking, here we go again. The boys were right, second period, we'll come out and we'll get back in this game. And it's exactly what they did. Um, even when uh, Vladimir Lukas scored the second one, kind of late on in the second period, I thought, okay, we'll, we'll see how we kind of come out here. But again, we just carried on, just from where we left off. There was no panic in the game. No, no not And at all. that's probably what has been the biggest issue with the Cats in recent times. There has been a sense of a bit of panic when we have conceded goals. And, you know, yeah. and that didn't feel the case in either, as you say, in the Bees game or the Telford game. No. And similarly, I feel like it leads us on quite nicely to the, the Raiders game. Yeah. Which also was. Do you know what? Going to Romford, yeah, it is Romford. It's not the Raiders, but going to Romford has probably been the away game I look forward to the least. (laughs) But on ice. Mm. Rink's nice, it's warm, atmosphere's decent, good crowd. Like For all those reasons, it's great. But watching the team, for some reason, that rink, we do not play well. No, I can't place. remember the last time we've gone there and had what I would call a really good game of hockey where I've walked away and gone, we've deserved to win that and no one can argue it. Yeah. That's exactly how I left that rink on Sunday thinking. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't think there's... Yeah, like I said, we deserved it. Um, the first period, I thought, was pretty, a pretty even period. We come out 2-1. We, you know, a couple of big goal you know, from the um, third line straight after the Raiders tied it, which was, I think, really important. Um, and then we went, you know, the, the Raiders get the goal with two minutes ago in the period and then we bounced straight back and put ourselves back in front before the end of that period. That's huge. Again, we'd had a great, you know, we didn't panic after conceding the equaliser in the second. We'd had a great spell of pressure in the build-up to that goal and then, you know, get hit with a sucker punch on the counter, counter-attack, Brandon Aliff 
always dangerous with his speed, gets in behind the defence and rips one past Rennie and you think, oh, we've been in their zone for three minutes and they are the ones with the goal. This could this could turn the game around. But again, we go out, Colby gets two quick goals um, and the game kind of, for us, got better and for the Raiders just unravelled in that kind of last five, six minutes. Of the I game. mean, yeah, that, that last six minutes of the second, it just fell apart for Romford. You know, when you go from, yeah, two all to six, two in the space of kind of six, seven minutes, it's you know, a, a big period, but it was a huge period again for the Cats. The power play capitalised on the chance. It hadn't had many chances over that weekend and it capitalised big time in, with that goal at the end of the period. Yeah. Colby Colby had probably his best game as a Wildcat, well, certainly his best game points production-wise. I don't know if it was necessarily his best game in terms of play, all because you know, all around, because he's had a lot of good games where he's worked his socks off, but it was the first, it was the game where you know his production matched the um yeah he got effort. he got his just rewards for a for a quality effort at yeah, all ends did. of the ice he was defensively yeah. responsible he was quick he was bright he was causing breakouts he was causing problems and then like you said they scored their second goal and he came out and decided nah now's my time to put some he put the game on his stick and yeah. and it worked and he's ends he ends up with points on the last five goals in that game for us and you end up, you know, and again, there's no panic when, you know, we've gone into that period break, okay, four goals up. We concede three minutes into the second, into the third period, sorry. And you've still got a three goal lead, so there's no reason to panic, but there was no panic. And we then, you know, get the seventh and again, just see the game out, run the clock out and yeah, come away with the points in a really difficult ring to go to. Colby, like I say, man of the match with his five point night, he's now well over a point a game. He's been getting better and better. And I think it's one of those games where he gets criticised. Obviously, coaches get criticised a lot when their teams lose. They don't always get credit when their teams win. And Aaron took a big risk over the weekend by the way he set his lines up to put himself, Thomas Malazinski and Colby Tower, on one line is a risky play because if it doesn't work, You've weakened your second and third lines by not having the by not split, splitting your imports up, because um, you've arguably put your three best players on your three best forwards on one line. That's not to diminish the quality we've got on the second and third line, but you are stacking that top line in the in the way that we used to do it with Aaron Malash and Hoogie um, back in the EPL days. But you've you've got goals on both nights from all three lines. The third line, you know, Sam Bullis got a goal against Telford. Reed Sayers gets a goal against um, Romford, against the Raiders, sorry. You get a big night on the Saturday from your second line who kind of carry the team. And then on the Sunday, CJ gets a big goal to start us, but it's the top line that kind of carries over the line with the, you know, five-goal burst. Um, so, yeah, and it's just a really good weekend for all of our lines. And again, defensively really solid. I thought, you know, I thought it was probably, I said Eddie Beveris was one of my, he was in my he was in my my thoughts of man of the match until Colby kind of went five points and then there's no one else who's really going to get it at that point. But um, I thought he was really good. I thought Sam Godfrey had probably one of his most assured games of the season. He was just quietly so solid. Yeah, the thing with uh, I think with Goddard's this weekend, I uh, he um, he made a couple of mistakes really early on against Telford. There was a there was a silly pass he made for too many men, and I just think. We yeah. said it at the time, the guys were changing and the pass came in from Goddard and it's like, you, you just got to make a, 
a less risky play because you know it's going to get called. Uh, he then comes out on the penalty kill and I think he chucked a puck out of play. Uh, no, it was a hook. Was it a hook or a slash? It was a he slash. Someone it was a yeah, slash. It was a slash. And you're just thinking that to start off our weekend. It didn't get me worried, but I just thought we need to n- nip this in the bud now to get anything out of this weekend. And that's exactly what happened. He then had a quality weekend, defensively responsible. He was fantastic, um, which is great. And like you said, we've done all this without Tyler Plews, which is even better because if the defense can keep playing as they did, probably more so against the Raiders than they did against the Tigers, yeah. and we chuck Plusy back in, that's where we want to be going forward. Yeah, and, and again, it was and it was a big weekend for Marzi as well in that. Um, obviously, he didn't get any points this weekend, but he did, you know, make. He made... Are we going to start talking about that every week now? No, no, <laughs> just this one. Um, but I think, yeah, he made the big saves when he need when we needed him to, and yeah, like I say, all around it was obviously our first four point weekend in a while, but it was just a massive, massive weekend. I think in terms of just getting to, getting back on track. The last two weeks have have been. Um, to get seven points out of the last eight is fantastic, particularly when you consider you're one of your top, you know, you're probably arguably your number one D man has been out of the lineup and you get, you know, seven points out of eight. It's the kind of that little run that kind of can start a bit of momentum, maybe, or hopefully. But yeah. Exactly. And we've always said it, and I know Aaron said it a lot, and pretty much every single fan, player, and coach in British hockey always says it, but you you take it a game at a time and you see what happens. And I think that's even more factual now where the cats are. We can't go and start looking ahead of ourselves and worrying about matchups and games we've got coming because, well, it's no secret for me to say it. We're not in a league race. We're not going to go and catch leads. I I don't think anyone will, to be honest with you. Um, we've just got to, I mean, it's in the nicest possible way, sort ourselves out. Worry about ourselves, play our game. The team's there, the results will come. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where we are now. And if we can keep that focus and calm moving forward and into this weekend, then I think we'll have another another decent weekend. Sure, it's another tough weekend, and we'll come on to that in a bit. But we've got a good hockey team. We've got a good hockey team. And we've had a good four games. We've had a good four games. Um, let's forget us for a little bit. Um, unless there's anything else you wanted to add from the weekend. I, don't, I, feel, I, like so. we've, yeah. I feel like we've covered a lot. Um, let's, we're not going to go back through two and a bit weeks worth of results. Don't worry. Um, we are just going to go back for last weekend and then we'll do the updated league table. So, Tom, I throw the microphone back your way and say, um, how did everyone else do this weekend? Yeah, great. So they all did great, did they? Yeah, they all did great. They can't all have four point weekends, Tom. Yeah, unfortunately they didn't. Um so we start in we start in, in Yorkshire, the Leeds Knights um against the Raiders. Let me guess, did they win again? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they, they did eight nil over the Raiders. Um goals for Matt Haywood, two for Kieran Brown, two for Zach Brooks, one for Adam Barnes. One for Grant Cooper and a debut, or I say debut, not debut, but a first leads goal for Tate Shudra. Um, yeah, seeing an 8 0 shutout win, Sam Gospel 22 saves, tough night for Ethan James there. Um, not much more I can say on that one. Uh, long road trip, 
never never fun when you make those long road trips and lose heavily. We've done those in the past. Uh, in Slough, they, a rare Saturday game for the um, Bees at home, and they take on the Phantoms, and they run them close in the first first proper game of the Don Gabay era, even though obviously Gabay being suspended wasn't able to be on the bench for it. Um, they get two goals out of Dan Rose and a goal to pull it back late on through Will Stead, but an absolute rocket from Luke Johnson, a goal from Duncan Spears, which Matt Smittle probably doesn't want to see ever again in his life, and two for Austin Mitchell King, see the Phantoms over the line. They move up to second in the table with that result um, on the on the Saturday night. Obviously, we know the result of the Link Centre. Um, Basing, in Basingstoke, the whole Seahawks get a win on the road. Um, they've had a, it's not their first win on the road, it has to be said. They have had one, but they take on the um, Basingstoke Bison. And yeah, the Andre Tamar effect is real. Um, goals for Nathan Salem, two for Tamar, one for Declan Jones, I want to say, and one for James Archer, a late power play goal to win the game. Um, in the last couple of minutes for Jimmy Archer, and they get the, they get the two points there. The Bison goals coming from George Norcliffe, Alex Sanford, Gael Abuele, and Zach Milton. Um, there was a net-minding change to the Bison in this. They split the game between Metham and Lorday. Um, they only, they faced 25 shots. Jordan McLaughlin, 35 shots, and, they get, and he gets the win. And the final Saturday game was in Sheffield. Um, sorry, it wasn't. It was in Bristol against the Steel Dogs. This was a delayed face-off. Um, it's been a tough couple of weeks for the Steel Dogs in terms of games down in the, the southwest. They had a game in Swindon, which went to overtime and a shootout, and then had a 1pm face-off the following day against the Phantoms. And then last week, they get a 7 o'clock face-off in Bristol because of a pain of broken plexiglass in a warm-up. I believe Elliot Lewis was the culprit of that one. Um, but it was good luck for Elliot Lewis as he gets his first goal for the Pitbulls in this game. Um also scoring is Ed Bradley and Alex Graham with two for the Steel Dogs. They go through to overtime in a shootout and just like a week before in Swindon, they get the win in the shootout. Um, no stats in terms of the net minding, etc. in there, but we can all assume the demigod made some saves at some point and gets the win. The demigod does what the demigod does. Yeah. But yes, um, that was Saturday. We're just going to move on to Sunday, if you bear with me for one second, just while I change my tabs. So we obviously know the Wildcats and the Raiders. So up in Sheffield, the Steel Dogs go home, they take on the Lightning. The Lightning missing a few guys, but a tough result for the Steel Dogs as they lose 4-3. Alex Graham again on the score sheet, and then there were two for Jonathan Kirk um, in this one, but goals from David Sarkanis, Sam Talbot, Sean... Sean Norris, I don't know if that's right because I'm pretty sure he was playing for Belfast and Tim Wallace um, get the um, get the goals for the um, MK Lightning in that in that one. Yeah, I uh, didn't think not Sean Norris was playing yeah, that with that night either. But clearly got the wrong information on that one. But I'm only going from what I mean, what has been published. So. I will have to refer back to A and um, other got A the and goal. other yeah. got the goal and yeah, like I say, um, Sean um, Tim Wallace gets the game winner. Um, in 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 Hull, the Seahawks taking on the Knights in the Yorkshire Derby or a Yorkshire Derby. There's a couple of different Yorkshire Derbies this year. They take the lead through Nathan Salem, but then the Knights come back with six unanswered: two for Adam Barnes, two for Grant Cooper, 
one for Kieran Brown, one for Matt Haywood. I feel like I say certain names a lot more than others. I'm going to say one thing. Like, I feel a little bit sorry. The Leeds, Leeds Knights have got an absolutely fantastic top six. And we've literally named five of them over these two games. So I, I do feel a little sorry for Cole Schroeder this weekend, not getting on the score sheet. However... I don't feel that sorry for him. He's scored a few. No, exactly. Like, yeah. Um. In Peterborough, the Phantoms take on the Pitbulls, and the Pitbulls, like the Bees on Saturday, run the Phantoms close, but Peterborough find ways to win. Ralph Sassenis, Duncan Spears, Glenn Billing, and Alex Padalek with the goals for the um, Phantoms, Callie Robertson, Morgan Clark Pizzo, and Jay Warren for the um, Pitbulls. Um, the P- Peterborough keep rolling. Peterborough keep rolling. They find ways to win that team. Um, and then the final game of the weekend, and a bit of a shock result up in Telford as the Bees pull off a win. Um, coach Gabay getting his first win as a um, as head coach of the Bees. Um, goals for um, for the t- goals for um, the Tigers from Sam Watkins, Vlad Luca, Jason Silverthorne, and unnamed because again the name isn't right on here. And then goals for the um, Bees for Willstead, two for Brendan Walcom, one for Lewis English. I believe it's potentially his first goal for the Bees, and one and one for Stuart Mogg gets them um, gets them over the line. That's a big result, isn't it? For the huge result, and that's a tough result, tough weekend for the Tigers as well. Yeah, tough weekend to get no points out of that. It puts them um, kind of behind the eight ball in terms of that kind of mid-table battle with ourselves and with Ra- the Raiders for those kind of, at the moment, fifth through seventh spots. So, yeah, not the best weekend for Tom Watkins and his team. Adam Goss, man of the match for the Bees there. Um, it's, like we said, we mentioned, obviously they've got Matt Smith in there now. He played on the Saturday. The Bees have got two serviceable netminders, not that Dan Well Evans ever wasn't, but with him gone, they needed someone in there. And, yeah, to get Matt Smith in, that's a big move for them because you can roll either of those those guys and have you know play well. Um, like I say, if you're going to lose, Dwe- if they were going to lose, Dwee Smith is probably about as good as the result they could have got out of that. Yep, I would agree with that. Um, so we roll on to the table. The Leeds Knights remain top. They have 38 points from their 20 games. They've dropped two points all season. They've not lost in regulation. And we're in December. And we're, we're coming into December. They have a maximum of 110 points out of a possible 112 that they could be aiming for this year. Crazy. It's uh, horrendous. The, it's horrendous. The, the Peterborough Phantoms, they're in 36 points in 21 games. The Milton Keynes Lightning, 35 points in 21. So those three teams have kind of pulled away a bit. It kind of starts to feel a bit like a three-horse race for that title. Um, although it's still a long way to go, and the Sheffield Steel Dogs just about might be in, consider themselves still in touch. They're on 27 points in 20, so... 11 points off the top. The Swindon Wildcats are now in fifth, 23 points in 20 games, just kind of starting to close that gap up to Sheffield a little bit. Um, the Telford Tigers, 22 points, but they've played 23 games, so more games than anyone in the table. They're in sixth. The Raiders are on 19 points, but with three games in hand over the Tigers. The Basingstoke Bison currently hold the final playoff spot, um, 13 points from their 20 games. They're level on points with the Bristol Pitbulls, who are 13 from 21. The Bees pulled within a point of those teams now with 12 points from 22 games following their win in Telford. And then the Hull Seahawks are on six points from 22 games following their third win of the season in Basingstoke. And there's your league table. There's your league table. Um, starting to take shape now. Kind of almost three separate groups 
you would argue you've got kind of those top three. I would argue we've started to close that gap up to Sheffield to make it kind of a fourth to seventh group, almost as much as a first to fourth and a fifth to seventh. And then you've got the kind of eighth to 11th spots as yeah. a kind of separate group of, like I said, the Bison currently leading the way based on their head to head over Bristol. Yeah, you can already see, like we said, the the, the kind of mini leagues within the league are almost starting to, to form. And you look at the weekend the Cats just had, that's a four point weekend for us and a naught point weekend for the Tigers and the Raiders. Those are eight, those are eight point swings. And those are going to start those kind of weekends and those games are going to start becoming massive. Yeah. Um, you know, as big as it is, and again, spoiler alert, as big as it is, as big as it will be for us to go to Leeds on Sunday, we're going to have to start looking at those other games going, these are the ones that are the must wins. Yeah. You know, and if you get anything on the road in Leeds, great. If you don't, well, spoiler <laughs> alert, no one else is. So, well, Telford did. Telford um, did, and Telford did, and MK got one against them at home. Yeah, that's, that's literally that, that's it. Like you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, those those are the games we're going to start. Um, we we'll start targeting. I know we've still got to go to Telford before Christmas, um, and I think that's it from that little mini league. Maybe yeah, I think before um, Christmas it is. Um, but then you've also got the games between Christmas and New Year, which we won't talk about now. But you play teams. You know, you play the Bison twice, you play the Pitbulls twice. Those are yeah. big winnable games. Exactly that. Exactly that. We're gonna couple of weeks as well at home. So you've got to start winning those games and really yeah. targeting those. Yeah, but like you said, we're not um you know, I we're not out of touch with the Steel Dogs yet. We there's we've still got plenty plenty of time. There's still plenty of time there's in this season. Games for us yeah, left got, this year. We've got, a long, we've got a long road ahead and not even halfway. Let's just see what see what the rest of the season brings. But um yeah, tough. Like I said, tough weekend for Telford, tough weekend for the Raiders, but surprise win for the Bees. Leeds keep rolling, Peterborough keep rolling, Milton Keynes keep rolling. Um, this has been quite a fun start to the season, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's been it's been entertaining, and while it maybe hasn't been as open in terms of the race to the top as people would have hoped, I think there were probably people who would have looked at the season at start and said there might be five or six teams in that battle still. I think it's been it has been a case of anyone can pretty much beat anyone. Like we've beaten MK twice. You wouldn't have said that was going to be a thing when you look at our other, some of our other results. You know, the bees have come to Swindon and beaten us. Hull have gone and you know gone to Basingstoke and got a win. That's a tough place to get a win. Basingstoke has struggled all year and managed to beat us back to back nights. Yeah, exactly. So everyone has been beating everyone. Like I say, Telford went up to um, you know, Telford have had a naught point weekend this weekend, including a defeat to the bees at home and defeat at the link. But then the week before they went to Leeds and got an overtime win. So um yeah, you know, it's just just the way of the world. And it's really it is really good for the league that anyone is beating anyone at the moment. There is no no argument against that. But it is, yeah, it's been a you know tough run for certain teams out there. Yeah, we've uh, we've come to the part of the show where we now kind of talk about any other random bits we've noticed over the, the we'll say the week because I'm not going to go back into the last yeah. two weeks. Um, the the other thing that continues to happen is someone keeps getting a weekly check to the head penalty. Yes, yeah, and there was one in and I missed. We did. I didn't bring it up in the roundup because I thought we'd do it separately. But yes, this week this week's um, lucky. Lucky winner of the, the pinwheel of death this week has fallen on the Telford Tigers. Telford Tigers, and it's Jason Silverthorne who gets a match penalty for a check to the head in the Bees game. Um, and a bit of an unusual one, as it was by all accounts. I haven't seen the hits, I haven't seen any highlights for that game yet, but by all accounts, it was a check to the head on Adam Goss, who, you know, spoiler alert, he's a netminder. 
Um, don't see too many players getting checked for their heads on the goalie. No, you don't. Um, so well done, Jason, for doing something different. But yeah, uh, I, yeah not the um, not the best, not the best one to be seeing that. Um, again, obviously, I'm sure the footage will go to the league. They'll have a look. But under the tariffs, you've got to expect six or ten games again. Yep, that Simple seems like that. where they're putting their money. And judging on previous records, my question would be if Adam Goss was injured it'll be 10 if he wasn't it'll be 6 feel free yeah. to tell me that that is not the difference between the two tariffs however that is what the evidence suggests that's yeah that's what seems to be happening um and yeah really not a good thing really really not a good time for the tigers to be losing jason silverhorn having already lost baby harewood to the pitbulls which i don't think we discussed because it happened after our last episode but they've lost baby you know they've lost baby harewood They've got a couple of guys out injured. They've had Andy McKinney fill in for a couple of weeks, but that's only a temporary thing um, at, at this point. So yep. to lose your captain thing... is not a great time to, for that to happen. And it seems very out of character for Jason Silverthorne as well. Um, that's just frustration in my mind. Yep. And like you said, it's not good for Telford. The timing is not great. We're coming up to the festive season where we all know we play a ridiculous amount of hockey in a very short amount of time, which on one hand will help him come back quicker, but on the other hand... It means he's going to miss lots of games. It means and it, also it puts, they, it, it puts they, pressure on his bodies, on the bodies around the other team. It does, and I'm also going to say, I think you said it just then. They've played the most games out of anybody in the league already. Yeah, if he's gone, let's say he's gone for six games, they will have played nearly thirty games by the time you come. By the time he comes back, exactly. It's at that point. And that's at the point halfway through the year. Yeah, that's the point where you are starting to run out of games if you want to make a push for the highest spots in the table. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, that was one thing on my any other business. I'm not going to go into too much detail because we did that in the last episode. Um, I'm sh- almost semi-confident the pinwheel of death will carry on around this weekend. Yeah. I think that's four or five weeks in a row now. It's something that it's something that the officials are clearly clamping down on, and that's not a bad thing. It's a semi-pro hockey league. You don't want to be seeing hits to the head, and it's going to going to impact teams over the course of the season. And as long as the league remain consistent on it, then I have no issue with it. It's frustrating and some myself included might argue the initial tariff is too high, but as long as the league is staying consistent on that tariff, it's what it is. You know, the players know where they stand. Absolutely. Um, Anything you want to mention? I mean, we we did have our first import change of the year in terms of the Bristol Pitbulls. They release Alex Roberts, who has since signed for the Raiders. Didn't have the best debut weekend, it has to be said for him. You know, two heavy losses. But, you know, that's a... For the Raiders, I don't think that's a bad pickup. They've lost Adam Leishram. Um, Eric Piatak hasn't been playing much. I don't know if there's injuries or other commitments there. But they've lost Adam Leishram to university commitments, um, which was always, a, you know, something that was likely to happen at some point. To be able to pick up a guy like Roberts with no need to get a work permit, he's got quality. We know he can score goals at this level. Probably doesn't bring the all-round game that Leishman does, but yeah, he'll he'll be fine on that Raiders team, and they'll find ways for him to get the puck and score some goals. Um, for the Pitbulls, they've, they've gone out. Machine. Yeah, they've gone out to U Sports, um, as so many other teams do. And I'm just going to double check the, the name. It's Nick Corich is the um, name of the import they've signed. Um, played last year in. Sweden and scored a ton of points. Points machine. 108, was it? Or 106? Uh, 108. 108, yeah. I apologise, Nick. Yeah. Um, yeah, 108 points um, over a season. He was the top scorer in that in the Swedish 
second the division two which is actually the division fourth division four isn't it yeah yeah it's the same it's the same league where owen sobjack came out of so you know it's a guy it's a it's a well that jamie allison's been to successfully already this year Corrett has some really impressive stats. Um, he played in U Sports as well and had some pretty solid numbers there, kind of not a million miles off the sort of numbers we saw from Colby Tower over there. Mm-hmm. Um, or Matthew Gomacic at the Raiders for that matter. So yeah, he looks uh, he looks like he's gonna be money. I think he's in the lineup from this weekend. Um, we'll see him at the, um, that means in a couple of weeks' time at the link, but he should be in for their games against, I don't know who they're playing this weekend, but he should, but by all accounts, he should be making his debut over the weekend. Yeah, which would be a big, uh, a big pull for, for Bristol, I'm sure, in that kind of race for the, the playoffs with the Bison at the moment. Kind of the, yeah, definitely. The closest team and there. I think we know what we're going to get. I think we know what we're going to get from a U Sports guy. They're going to be quick, they're going to be hardworking. Yep. We're going to play all over the ice. <laughs> and they're going to be a bit of a pain to play against. And yeah. I mean that in the nicest possible way because we'll pretty much. Every team's got one almost. Yeah, you know, you look at you look at guys. You know, Colby's come come through and done well. Um, Leishman was having a good year. He's former U Sports. The Buelles have done had some big big nights. Gomacic has been one of the best imports in the league since arriving. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The, the standard is there, and I'm sure it'll be another good one. Um, that was the import change. The only other thing I was going to say is, as we record this, Coventry tickets are on sale next weekend. Yeah, because that's a thing this year. Um, surprised to see him go on sale this early. Yeah. Glad to see the league prepared this early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a good position. thing. It's a good thing. The dates are there, so let's let's get tickets. Let's yeah, definitely. Let's, let's get them on sale. Uh, Swindon in block eleven and twelve. Uh, for those of you that went last year, uh, I hear you ask. Yes, same blocks. Um, which is always good. Uh, decent view, great weekend. We don't need to we'll talk about Coventry weekend more as we get close to the playoffs, but fantastic weekend for me. I think they're relatively well priced. I know that yeah. that always is a semi one this time of year. Um, you know, 60 quid, four games of hockey. Yes, it's 15 pound a game, but let's be honest about this. It's about prices, the going rate, prices. pardon. About the going rate for national. Yeah, it's about the going anyway. rate. It's about the going rate. Two of those games are finals. Two of them are semi-finals. There'll be quality games of hockey. Great atmosphere. Prices of everything is going up. And sadly, British hockey was always going to be included in that. Um, it's not gone up, and it's not gone up. I, I, I must admit, it's not gone as up, up yeah. by as much as I feared it might. So well, I would agree. Better to the league on that respect. I think it was a five-pound difference from last year. So yeah, better to the league in that regard. They, they, they've avoided the kind of i guess temptation is the wrong word but temptation to put it up maybe 10 or 15 quid which they might have been still argued they've been justified to do so yep no absolutely it's a cracker um, um, yeah. Um, yeah i think the only other thing i was going to quickly bring up before um moving on to this weekend was just quickly say flagging an elite league thing welcome back to the uk Corey nielsen so the gb assistant coach returning to the nottingham panthers as Interim, I guess, head coach until the end of the season. Um, Are you going to welcome back as assistant coach as well? Yeah, Rick Strachan as well. Nottingham rolling back the years there. Let's get the band back together. Personally, I don't have an issue with that. I feel like getting a guy who Corey trusts on the bench is just as important. Um, I know some Nottingham fans have probably taken a negative view of that, but get a guy that has worked with Corey before on the bench. And also, congratulations to Jordan Kelsall, who played as a D-man for the first time in his career in an elite league game at the weekend. I don't know if he's all this. Um, I actually saw your message and I was very busy at work when you told me about this. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't yeah, really see it. 
yeah, he covered he covered on D, um, and I, I think Corey Nielsen. I don't know if he, had, if he was joking or being set or being completely serious, but said in his post match interview, just wanted to flag Jordan Kelsey's performance and that he might have another Mark Richardson on his hands, based off how well he did. So <laughs> thrown into I've, the fire. I'm, there, a Jordan. Huge, I'm a huge fan of Jordan, and I've said this on this podcast, and we've had him on this podcast before. Yeah. Um, I did not put him down as a defenseman. No, me neither. But fair play to you know that's a, a young Brit there who's taking an opportunity to help out his team and yeah, credit, credit, credit where it's due. But I think absolutely you know, brilliant kid as well. Yeah, great, it's great to see kind of Nielsen coaching in the UK again. Um, and yeah, so and I think that will help on a, another. I again another eye towards playoff weekend and stuff like that. I think Corey back in the UK will help uh, with the GP setup this year. Yeah, Obviously, we know the World Championships are in are in Nottingham. Yeah, they are Nottingham. In Nottingham. Yeah, they're in Nottingham, which will help. He will be back in the UK for between now and then, and we'll be watching the British players every week. Yeah, I know he is not head coach. Pete Russell obviously is, but he's a big part of that coaching yeah, staff. Exactly. Having having all three of those coaches, well, Pete Russell's working in Germany still, but having the two assistants in the UK will help. You know, with that kind of player identification and picking the squad when the time comes. Yep. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it from me. Yeah, I think that was all I had. So should we move on to the weekend? Yep. Worst part of the show. Yeah, worst part of the show. So. Do we want to talk anything about the games? So, I well, guess... I was gonna, I was gonna. On the basis we've talked about a lot of games at this point, I was probably gonna say let's just kind of quickly look ahead. Yeah, let's do it, and then say where we're going. Obviously, I'll let you go because you're you're quite good at this. But it's quite is quite is in kind of speech. So Saturday, third of December, six thirty face off at the Lynx Centre. The Wildcats taking on the Hull Seahawks. The Seahawks. With the arrival of Andre Tamar, starting to find their groove a little bit at this level. They're getting guys back in the lineup. You know, they only had two players missing on um, Sunday against against the Leeds Knights. Um, obviously, Emil Speck still suspended. Um, Matty Davis obviously out for a while with that knee um, problem. But um, yeah, with Andre Tamar, he seems to breathe some life into that roster as we would expect him to. And it suddenly becomes a much tougher challenge when you're facing a fully strength Seahawks team who are. Let's be honest. Almost, almost as they're intended, as they were built to play. You know, it's yep. it, it's hard to play. It's hard to win games when you've designed a team to play a certain way with certain players, and they're not there. Yeah. So, so they're in the lineup. Andre Tamar's come in and hit the ground running. He's a quality player. It's going to be that's going to be a tough challenge for the Wildcats' defense. Um, but yeah, that's a like I say, six thirty face off. Tickets and streams on sale as ever. And then on Sunday, um, up in Leeds. Oh, sorry, Ben's got his hands up. Yeah, I was just going to throw in there. Don't forget, it's also the Teddy Bear Toss. Oh, yes, Teddy Bear Toss night, of course, on, on, on Saturday at the Link. So, yeah, bring some bears if you're going. Um, charities this year are fostering in Swindon and Bernardo's. So, um, yeah, definitely make sure to bring some bears along Bring for that. bears and don't forget, put them in a carrier bag because no one wants the bear that's been soaking wet sat on the ice. Yeah, put them in a carrier bag, make sure they're clean, make sure they've got the CE tag on them, etc., etc. All the information is on the Wildcats website. So, yep, yep, they're going to a fantastic, two fantastic causes. So, um, and I, I always say this to everyone that asks me about it. I just, I genuinely mean this. There is no maximum. If yeah. you've got eight bears at home, bring them. Don't yeah, exactly. Bring the four that you don't like as many as the eight. Bring as many as you can. The more, the better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then on Sunday, uh, having cleaned all the bears off the ice, we will go to the um, to the castle in Leeds. 
it's the, the second, first time this year. The first time this year. It's the first trip to the Leeds. It's the second time we've played them. It's in another edition of the Nell Classico. 5.15 face-off on Sunday. And, yeah, uh, 5.15 face-off on Sunday. Tickets on sale. I assume streams as well. I believe so. I believe they're streaming that one. They usually do now. Um, I hope they are, because I can't make it. Well, yeah, I can't either. So it could be a very short podcast next week, if not. Um, so yeah, yeah, if there's any listeners out there that are going, and just in case there is no stream, um, maybe right. I'll be in touch about a guest appearance next week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, five fifteen face off. Going to be a really really tough game. We've said about their quality many times already today, so I don't think we need to go through that again. But the return of Tyler Plews to the lineup, um, all being well, his suspension will be over. So. He is going to be chomping at the bit to get back going because I've spoken to him pretty much every game day since. And he doesn't like not playing hockey. (laughs) Who who can blame him? No one. No one And I'll tell you what, I'm also going to chirp him a little bit. He's also not great at putting sticks out for the boys and working out which ones are who's a who's. Bert's not trained him well enough. No, Bert, I mean, Bert Bert is still the man when it comes to putting sticks out. So uh, the Paloozy, yeah, get get some rest on Saturday and... uh, Get yeah. ready to get ready for a tough one Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was everything I had to talk about today. Yeah, I think that's it. I think, like you said, it's going to be a tough weekend. Um, Hull are not the same whole team that came down on the opening day of the uh, season. They're not even the same whole team that we played a few weeks back uh, up in their rink. So, be prepared for a tough game. Be prepared for. Well, be prepared for anything. Really, Swindon Hull games have always been good. Uh, Andre Demar is a quality player. Uh, I am looking forward to seeing him play again. I am not looking forward to seeing him score against us again, so fingers crossed he doesn't. Um, But yeah, good weekend. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good, two good games of hockey. And if you can't make it to Leeds, I'm going to plug it in the hope that there is one. Get a stream because watching Leeds in the castle is something special. And uh, to be fair to the Cats, they've had some good... I said this, uh, I read Sam Bullis's column this week, he said a similar thing. They, they've they had generally pretty decent results up there. Yeah, I mean, um, the Autumn Cup final being the best of them. But... The Autumn Cup final was the best one of them. But, but obviously this different... is a different Leeds team. Um, they're a different animal this year. And yeah. it's going to be a very, 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 very tough game. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's it for this episode. Thank you Definitely. for sticking with us over the last missing however many weeks. Three weeks um, all being well we'll be back next week uh if we're not uh have a great christmas um, <laughs> <laughs> no we'll be back before christmas i say that yeah. um yeah that's it uh episode, th- uh episode 59 not 39 episode 59 is in the bag uh enjoy your hockey this weekend and we'll be back soon <laughs>